You're listening to the Church Planter Starter Kit Podcast, Episode 11. Welcome. My name is Robbie Fowler. I'm the host. And here is what one pastor in the Houston area said about working with the Church Planter Starter Kit. He told me, hey, this has literally changed the way I talk to people outside of our church about our church. this episode, we're going to continue to look at why I think pastors should blog. I'm going to walk you through a simple process focused on the how-to of blogging, and this is based off the same process I use when writing blog posts. I believe there's a seismic communication shift taking place in our culture. It's that move online, and that move is packed with printing press potential for the church. And to leverage that shift, pastors need help rethinking our stale approaches to our websites and our brands so that we can become what I call digital missionaries and truly connect with the people we're called to reach who are online. In each episode, I share simple, actionable steps to help you transform your website and brand into a missionary with good news. We're going to walk through a simple process today for writing blogs. We're going to cover a few simple, mostly free tools to help you with the actual writing of those blogs. And then we're going to just continue to break down that fear barrier preventing you from blogging or thinking you can blog like a missionary. So let's jump in to today's topic. Well, as I said at the start of this podcast, we're continuing to look at why I think it is helpful and important for pastors and church planters to think about blogging. If you haven't already, go back and listen to the previous episodes where we talked about why I think you should blog, what you should be blogging about, and then the last two episodes are fantastic. They're an interview with a real church planter, and we just walk through what would it look like to repurpose content, in particular even sermon prep, and turn those into blog posts. And that really begins to, to be the key to unlocking why I think you can do this, and this is not as difficult as maybe some of us think, because we're really talking about primarily repurposing content you already have based on work that you have already done. Okay, so go back, listen to those. I'm going to assume you have. Let's jump in on really the practical how-to piece. How would you go about actually writing a blog post? And I'm just going to walk you through a really simple process. This is based on the process I use. So when I go to write a blog article or a blog post blog post for my business on one side, that's at RobbieF.com, or on the Church Planter Starter Kit website. I blog both places. I'm writing articles in, in both places. This is the same process that I would use, and it's really simple. Okay, step one is research. You may or may not have that step as part of your article or every article, because if it's repurposing content like sermon content, you probably have already done that work. But if you needed to do to do a little research. What I do is any research I might do for an article, I just capture that real quick in Evernote. I'm normally doing that research in my browser, 
I have a little shortcut that comes with Evernote so I can clip a particular part of a website. I can just save the URL. I can grab the whole uh, article, the whole page that I'm looking at if I'm looking at something online, and I can even kind of highlight that right there in the browser before it goes into Evernote. Then I can tag it, keep up with it, so if I want to come back to it. So if you're an Evernote user, that's probably kind of a no-brainer. If you're doing some sort of research for the article, something you want to mention in your blog article, Evernote is a great way to do that. If you're not an Evernote user, no big deal. You know, open up a Google Doc if you're a Google Doc person and copy and paste whatever you need in there. Either, again, the website address, the sentence or paragraph you want to quote or something you want to reference. So that step is pretty self-explanatory. Again, if you're repurposing content for your blog article, which is what I am suggesting that you do, you may not even need that step. But maybe you're going to go grab a quote or something like that. That's one way you can, you can capture that. So any research you want to do, that's step one. Again, you, you probably won't need to do much of that or maybe none of that at all because we're repurposing content. Okay, on to step two. Step two is where I just outline my article real quick. I just throw my thoughts in a really simple bulleted outline. And I've talked about this on the website before. I've written blog posts about this. I use a tool called Workflowy. It is a fantastic tool for outlining. I absolutely love it. It lets me do it fast. It lets me do it quick. There's no formatting. There's no stuff to mess with. It has this really cool feature where you can zoom in. And what I mean is you can. Each level of the outline, imagine a outline in your brain, like Roman numeral one, and then under Roman numeral one, you have A, B, C, D. Under Roman numeral one, A, you may have, you know, little Roman numeral one, little Roman numeral two. Think through those different levels of the outline and workflowy. You can do that fast. But you can also click in and zoom in just under Roman numeral one letter A, you can zoom in there. The reason I like that is that keeps other distractions out of the way. So for example, in my workflowy setup, I've got kind of a main level category for my Robbie Fowler business. I've got a whole nother main level category for my church planner starter kit stuff. Inside my church planner starter kit stuff, I can zoom in to that. Inside there, I've got things like uh, information on my the actual seven modules of the kits, but I also have another main bullet point called articles, as in blog articles. I can click that. Now I'm zoomed in there. All I'm seeing is all the blog article ideas I have. Then I can have an idea for one particular article. Let's say I'm going to write a blog article on blogging, why I think pastors should blog. I add that bullet point and workflow. I can click that and now zoom into that level. The only thing I'm seeing at this point now is where I can outline my thoughts for this particular article. So technically, I'm I may be four or five levels down into my outline, but I can zoom in and it's as if the only thing I'm outlining, the only thing I'm capturing my thoughts on is this particular 
piece of the outline or article. So I love Workflowy. It's a little easier to picture and to see online. So in the show notes, I will reference a PDF where I'm putting all of these tools and resources. You don't have to like write that down. I'll give you a link to that. You can go look at that. And I will point out an article that I wrote where you can actually see workflow. It's just much easier to picture once you actually see it. And that's really where the magic is. So I absolutely love workflow. It makes it super easy for me to outline my thoughts. That's what I do. Here's what I would recommend. When it comes time to outline your thoughts at a bare minimum, I would start with this, okay? Let's assume again that you're repurposing content. You're repurposing last week's sermon. You're going to turn that into a blog post, at least one. Often you can get more than one, but just one. And my suggestion has been, don't just think about recapping the sermon or rewriting your sermon from last week, you want to think in terms of missionary, okay? So put your missionary hat on and think about your non-church-going neighbors, your non-church-going audience, the people around you that you would love to reach and that you feel called to reach. In other words, think about the person you really wish would have been there on Sunday, but probably was not, okay? Put that person in the front of your mind. If you have an actual person, put their name at, as the first bullet point at the top of your workflowy outline for this blog article, okay? And what I want you to do is name one real problem that your sermon touched on that this person may have, this person would identify with. In question form, you can think of it like this. You want to answer the question, why should my non-church-going audience care about the subject of this article, okay? What problem is this going to address in their life, a real problem? Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's they feel overworked. Maybe it's they are tired of the hypocrisy around them. Maybe it's have you ever been treated unfairly at work? Something like that. It needs to be very real. It needs to be tangible to them, okay? This is not a huge theological problem that maybe is debated inside the church around a particular Bible passage, right? That's not what your non-church-going audience or neighbor is thinking about. So think about real-world problems they have that they would say, this is a problem in my life that they would identify with, that's what your ser- your blog article should go after based on your sermon. Again, if you're like, I'm still not sure what you mean there, please go back and listen to the previous two episodes where we interview my friend Rusty, who's a church planter, and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. We literally on the fly with no prep took a previous sermon and said, if you were to write a blog article about this sermon that you've already preached and aim it at the non-church-going audience you are there to reach that you wish was there, what would you say to that audience? And the great thing about the blog article is in the sermon, you may not have as much time to unpack that for that particular audience. You can in a blog article. 
this is where you go, man, I could have spent 10 to 15 minutes really going after that article, applying this passage in the gospel to this particular audience, but I had some other audiences I needed to, to tackle, and therefore I couldn't spend as much time. This blog article is where you can do that. Okay, so the first thing you're putting at the top of the page is you think about your blog article, is you're thinking about that non-church-going audience, the person you really wish would have been there Sunday, and you're going to literally write the answer to this question, at least in rough form. Why should my non-church-going audience care about this article? And you want to answer that, because I'm going to talk about the loneliness that many feel. The feeling of, of being overworked or underpaid, not recognized, ignored, wounded in the past, um, and no one ever responded to it. No one ever took responsibility for that wound. Whatever that real problem is, you need to be able to, to name that, and it needs to be a problem that the non-church-going audience you want to reach can identify with. They, they would agree, yes, this is a problem in my life. This is a pain point is another way to think about that. Okay, So that's at the top of your article. The second thing you put at the top of the article is what good news do you want to share to that audience in this article? So in question form, what is the specific good news I want to share with that audience about that problem? And again, this is just coming from your previous week's sermon. This is good gospel application. Again, go back and listen to those first uh, last two episodes. You'll hear Rusty do exactly that. He, we were talking about a sermon he preached out of the Gospel of John, and he does exactly that on the fly. I would probably tell that audience this good news about this problem. Okay? So that's what you're going to do. You're going to outline your thoughts at least in two very simple points. Bullet point number one, why should my non-church-going audience care about this article, what I'm about to write? And question or bullet point number two, what is the specific good news I want to share with that audience about this problem? Okay? So that's what I would do at a bare minimum. Beyond that, depends on, again, kind of your personality or wiring. You can outline just the, hey, I'm going to write, I'm going to cover this, 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 and this, maybe four points or something. You, you, it's really easy to outline that in workflowy. Some of my blog articles will have, you know, a little fuller outline and workflowy. Some of them will have a little more bare bones outline, but workflowy is where I outline my thoughts. Okay, that's step two. I'm just jotting those down. They're pretty quick, pretty fast, but usually at the top of that outline, at a bare minimum, I'm answering the, those questions. Why should my audience care about it? In your case, why should my non-church-going audience care about what I'm about to write about, the, the subject of this blog post or blog article? Okay, and then what is the good news? I want to share with them about that. Okay, so missionary hat is on. You're speaking to the non-church-going audience in your context, the one in particular you feel called to reach, what is something from last week's sermon, if that's what you're repurposing, that you want to talk about? One subject, keep it simple, keep it about one thing, and then what is the gospel, what is the good news you would want to share with that audience about that particular problem? 
Okay, at the very least, nail down those two things that will help guide your article and make it really easy for you to write this because you're not going to write a thousand things. You're just going to answer essentially those two questions. Okay, let's talk about how I do that. Okay, so I've outlined my thoughts in Workflowy. Step three, I actually at least write a rough draft of that article. I do that. There's a lot of places you could do that. I do that in an app called Hemingway. There is an actual app you can purchase and download, but there is a free version online that you can get to just in your browser. Again, the link to that will be, if you go to the show notes, uh, I will link to in the show notes to where you can go find that app. I put all of these together in a PDF. You can snag that PDF and that'll give you that link to where you can go find the free version that you can access in your browser. Okay, why the Hemingway app? Given the fact that there's all sorts of writing, wonderful writing apps out there in places you could do this. Yes, you could do this in Word or Google Docs or someplace like that. I like the Hemingway app because it is aimed at helping you become a better writer. Okay, so what happens in the Hemingway app? It looks like a similar, a very similar to maybe really, really simple version of Word or Google Docs, like a word processor. And what happens is when you write the article, it will highlight in some different colors some things about your writing that you can improve. For example, it will highlight any adverbs in blue. Remember, adverbs most often end in L-Y. The reason it will highlight those in blue is typically in good writing, you want to use a minimal amount of adverbs because you want to let the verb do do the talking, right? So the more adverbs you have in there, usually that's just fluff that you do not need in your writing. So without you becoming some master copywriter, Hemingway app really quick shows you those words. You can literally see them in the article that you wrote. Oh man, I've got all of these adverbs scattered in there. Most of those you could probably yank, right? And make your writing much tighter. Hemingway just makes that super easy because it shows you right where they are and it's really easy to go in there and yank them. Okay. The next thing the app does is it will highlight in green any sentences that contain verbs in the passive voice. Again, typically for writing, you want the verb to be in the active voice. Passive voice becomes very passive, right? So you may go, dude, I don't know. How would I even spot that? I don't even remember that. That was English class a long, long time ago. I've tried to forget that. Again, the Hemingway app will show you that very, very simple. And the easiest way to do that is that obviously means the subject of the verb is the one receiving the action. You just want to flip that and put that subject up front. An example would be, in the passive voice, you might say, the sermon was being prepared by Robbie late Saturday night. Okay, That's passive. The sermon was being prepared by Robbie. You would get that highlighted in green in the Hemingway app, and you go, whoops, I need to flip that. And you would say, Robbie, subject, was preparing the sermon late Saturday night. So you get the subject out in front of that. That just helps your writing. Hemingway app makes that super easy to spot and easy to fix. The next thing it does is we'll highlight in purple any words that have a simpler alternative 
when it comes to writing and writing blog posts, you don't want to look super smart like you're a PhD. Okay, when you can use a simpler word, believe it or not, you're not trying to impress an English professor anymore. You want to use that simpler word. So if you're using the word maximize, it may say, hey, there's probably a simple word, uh, easier way to say that, a simpler, simpler alternative to say that. It'll highlight any of those in purple, so it makes it very easy for you to maybe go, yeah, I probably could use you know, a, a, a different word that it's easier for someone to get their hands around this idea. Okay, so blue is adverbs. Green, it'll highlight anything using a passive voice. Purple, it will show you any words that there may be an easier or simpler alternative to that word. It'll highlight in yellow any sentence that's hard to read, and those are usually longer sentences, right? When it comes to writing blog articles, you want to begin to work at writing shorter sentences, not long sentences. And then it will highlight in red any sentence that is very hard to read. So yellow is kind of the warning like, hey, this sentence is pretty long. It may be a little tough to read or to follow. And then red is, hey, this is a pretty complex sentence. Those are suggestions that the Hemingway app gives you. You don't have to yank all the yellow sentences and, and make them all super simple. You don't have to yank all the red sentences and make them super simple. But it's really easy to see. If your entire article is in red, then you've got something very, very hard to read. If your entire article is filled with all of these little blue highlights, that means you've got adverbs all over the place that most of them don't need to be there. So that's why I love the Hemingway app. Again, the online version is free. It's like having an English tutor slash business writer, because writing for blog articles is very different than what you and I did at college. It's like having that kind of tutor right over your shoulder going, hey, yank that, um, switch that real quick, and this will be a much better, more powerful article. So that's why I love it. The online version is free, which is fantastic. The other thing it will do and show you right there on the screen is it will show you the kind of guesstimated reading level, like, hey, this is at a fourth grade reading level or a fifth grade reading level. Don't let that make you feel dumb. Your goal is not to get that reading level grade up. Your goal is to get it down. You would love that thing to be at a third or fourth grade reading level. You do not want it to be at a 12th grade reading level. That's too hard for people to read. If you were writing for a theological journal, if this was an article for, to, to be published in a theological journal, that's different. For this, you want this to be accessible to the normal person because you want to be a good missionary. Okay, this needs to make sense to your non-church-going neighbor. Okay, so it will show you kind of a guesstimated grade reading level. You want that to be low, not high. It'll give you the estimated time it'll take to read, like it'll take five minutes to read this article, 20 minutes to read this article, etc. Yours probably will be on the shorter side. That's fantastic. It does not need to be a super long read. And then it'll show you the basic counts for things like how many characters you use or words, sentences, or paragraphs in the article. That's just great for reference. You would probably be shooting at something around the 500 to 1,000 word mark. 1,000 words probably, unless you're just naturally a really good writer, would feel a little bit long, particularly as you get started, but probably in that 400 to 700 word range 
is probably what you're you're thinking about. It's not some hard and fast rule, but you know, you probably want something more than just 150 words that that's probably not long enough. But again, the the goal is to get this done, get this out there, don't worry too much about writing some huge long epic blog article. So that's the Hemingway app. That is where I actually write my articles because of the the help that it gives me in in writing. It just makes me a better writer. It does it pretty quick. Again, the online version is free, so it does it quick. It does it free. So I love that. That's where I write things. Okay, here's a few tips for the actual writing. So I use the Hemingway app. It's kind of giving me some tips. But here's just a few things to think about because writing, again, for blog articles is actually different than the writing most of us were trained to write, which we were trying to impress a English professor or a English lit class. So here's a few tips. You want to aim for shorter sentences and shorter paragraphs, way shorter than you did in college or seminary. Okay, so paragraphs of two, three, four sentences, really short. Okay, those sentences, shorter sentences. Take a longer sentence that has the word and in it, put a period in there, yank the and, make that two sentences. It's just easier for people to read and to digest. Okay, so short sentences, short paragraphs. Your article should have lots of smaller paragraphs that feels easier to read when a person looks at that blog article, okay? So that's really easy to do, short sentences, short paragraphs, okay? Lots of transition sentences between those short paragraphs, okay? So you might have, you know, paragraph one, maybe it's four sentences, then you have another paragraph that may just be one, a one-sentence paragraph that's like a transition but it's in its own paragraph, and it, and it may be something like, my kids ask the same question. That may be the transition, right? And then the next paragraph, okay? So shorter sentences, shorter paragraphs, lots of transitions between paragraphs, and then that ties with this third tip. Keep your style, your writing style, conversational, okay? You want to write almost like you would speak like you would say this. You might tighten a few things up, but that's the style and the tone. So those transitions would be the kinds of things you might say in a conversation if you were talking to someone. So use a very conversational style. Use the language of your non-church-going audience. Okay, Do not use your seminary voice. Use the, I just was walking across the street to visit with my neighbor voice. That's the tone and the voice you want to use. Okay, and then the last tip, one thing to pay attention to, you write your first draft, you can let it sit for an hour or a day and come back and check it, but the last thing you want to do is try to work in some good headings into that article, okay? Some good headings into that article, because remember this is online, and people, when they read things online, you and I scan. We don't read top to bottom like a book. We typically scan, and what we scan and look at are those headings. Okay, so you want to try to put in not just a good title for the article, but you would also love to have a few good headings in there, not boring headings. They should be headings that either make a promise or spark curiosity. Okay, now don't freak out about this like, oh, I knew this was going to be hard. 
No, you can learn to do this over time, okay? But just know that those headings can be very powerful. They should make a promise or spark some sort of curiosity. Now, let me share just a couple examples there so you get a feel for, oh, I see why good headings can be very powerful when it comes to your writing. Okay, so you write your little article. Sometimes I will just write the article, then I will come back and plop in some of those headings. Sometimes I do it as I go. Sometimes I go back and do it. Whatever kind of approach or process works best for you, that's great. A lot of times I'll just, in that first draft, I will go ahead and throw a heading in there and not worry too much about if it is really like making a promise or is it really sparking curiosity. And then when I come back to that article, Often the next day, I'll let it sit a day, and I'm just kind of reviewing it, tightening that thing up. That's when I'll take a little bit of time. Maybe I'll take 10, 15 minutes to just go, okay, can, what can I do to kind of punch up these headlines? Because they may be the most important thing in your article. Someone will glance at those and decide whether or not they want to read. So here's a few examples from some things I've recently written. So here's some example headings. I'm going to read you these headings. I'm actually not going to tell you what this is from and see how this kind of piques your curiosity, and then I'll come back and and tell you where these headings came from. Okay, this is one of the main headings in this piece. It says, why... So here are the main headings in this piece, and then I'll come back and tell you what it is. The first heading says this, the incredible opportunity to reach the unthinkable and why the time is right. Okay, the next main heading is the key to unlocking Latin American cities is closer than you think. The next main title says, this is an opportunity too good for us to pass and too big to tackle alone. The next main heading says, Why We Are Called and Qualified to Serve This Latin American Movement. The next main heading says, Would You Give So Together We Can Further the Gospel in Key Latin American Cities. Okay, so maybe you're starting, oh, this, this, these are headings, believe it or not, from a support letter. This is uh, someone raising support and... Those headings drive curiosity. They make promises. They would make a reader stop and go, well, I want to know more about that. So if we were to dive into a couple of those sections. So the one heading I shared was, the key to unlocking Latin American cities is closer than you think. Okay. The subheadings under there are, the first subheading is, the staggering story proving it's not only possible, it's happening. So you see how someone could just scan down through this. They may not actually even read the paragraphs of information. They're just looking at the headings. The first heading they would see is the key to unlocking Latin American cities is closer than you think. That draws them in. They glance at the next heading in that section that says the staggering story proving it's not only possible, right, to reach Latin American cities, it's happening. Okay? Anyone with any interest, that's going to pique their curiosity and make them stop and read that section. So that's an example from an actual support letter of how powerful and helpful good headings can be. So take a few minutes, spend a little bit of time on that, again, with more practice, 
you'll get better at doing that. So let's stop real quick and recap the process. Step one, we did any research. I captured that in Evernote. You may not need to do that at all because you've already done that if you're repurposing content. Step two, I do a very brief outline of the article before I jump in and start writing. I use Workflowy to do that because it is probably my favorite app for any sort of productivity. I use it for everything, but it's great for outlining thoughts for blog articles. At a minimum, you want to answer these these two questions. This should be in your outline for every article. Question number one, you want to go after a real problem, and you're answering the question, why should my non-church-going audience care about this topic that I'm writing about? And then point number two, what's the specific good news I'm going to share with that audience about this problem? Step three, I actually write the article in the Hemingway app because it helps me write better. And then those writing tips I shared. When I'm writing in the Hemingway app, I'm looking for shorter sentences, lots of transitions, a conversational style, and I want to sprinkle in a few really good headings that either make some sort of promise or spark curiosity so that the reader will jump in. Okay, my next step after I've written that article, like I said, if I can, I'll let that sit a day, come back to it, edit that first draft, maybe punch up a headline or two, and then I just select all in Hemingway, copy it, and I go over and I paste that into another app called Grammarly. You may be familiar with that. Uh, Maybe you use that app, but it's another, there's a free version, okay? I paste that text out of Hemingway, copy the whole thing, paste it into Grammarly, and the reason I do that is Grammarly does a great job of catching some grammar or spelling issues that most other apps will miss, including, you know, built-in spelling on something like Microsoft Word or Google Docs. It will not catch some of the things that Grammarly catches. So what I do is I keep my Hemingway app open. I got my Grammarly app open. I literally just copy and paste. I have one document in Grammarly called, the name of the document is called copy and paste. And I just take the stuff from Hemingway paste it right in there. I don't worry about any of the formatting or anything like that. I'm just using Grammarly to go back and double check some grammar and some spelling. I actually will then walk through the suggestions or corrections Grammarly tells me to make. I actually make those over in Hemingway. So I will see, whoops, I misspelled this word. I used the wrong version of the word too. I should have used T-O-O and I used T-O. I will See that in Grammarly, because Grammarly will highlight that for me. I'll go over to that uh, misspelled two in, in my article in Hemingway, make the change there, and then go confirm it in Grammarly just so it's out of the way in Grammarly. I'm not actually going to use the Grammarly version. I just want to get that out of the way. And then it'll jump me to the next change in Grammarly, right? Like, hey, you misspelled this, or there should be a comma here. Uh, Again, go make the change in Hemingway, confirm it in Grammarly so it kind of checks it off the list. And I'll just walk through any of those changes Grammarly suggests, make them in Hemingway, because Hemingway is where I kind of keep my master copy. Again, I'm saving along the way in Hemingway so I don't lose anything. but That's really how I do the bulk of my writing. At this point, I'm saying it's done. It's good enough. It may not be perfect, but it is good enough. So I've outlined my article. I've written it in Hemingway. I've taken any of Hemingway's suggestions to make it a little tighter. Usually sit on it, come back the next day, 
and make any changes, read back through it, tighten a few things up, maybe put in a headline or two and beef that up. I then copy that whole thing and it's almost final form. Put it in Grammarly so that Grammarly can check any grammar, punctuation, any spelling. I just use the free version of Grammarly, make those changes in Hemingway that Grammarly says I should make, and then I'm done with Grammarly. I just shut it down. And then from Hemingway, I usually export or publish my article. In Hemingway, I can publish that in markdown form in some online blogging platforms use Markdown. If you're not familiar with it, don't worry about it. But if you know what I'm talking about, Hemingway will allow you to export Markdown. It will export to a Word doc. If you go, okay, that's what I need. It will export to, you know, rich text format, RTF type doc. It will export it into HTML. So anything that you set as a heading level one in Hemingway, you know, would would export out as HTML. All of your regular Paragraphs would be an HTML paragraph. So if you have a platform that lets you kind of copy or paste in articles in HTML, that's what you can do. You just export Hemingway into HTML, or you can export it as a PDF, right? Maybe you could PDF if you have maybe a volunteer or somebody that would be willing to help you get your blog articles online. Maybe that's a way you share it. But it allows me to get it out of Hemingway pretty easy is the point. The other thing that is built into the Hemingway app, and I believe you have to have the app to export or publish, is you can actually publish straight to WordPress. You can connect to WordPress if your church website is on WordPress. You can push it straight to to WordPress, set that up, and it, you know we'll add it as a new blog post in WordPress. Or you can publish it and push it directly to Medium if you are familiar with Medium. It's kind of an online blogging platform with all kinds of anyone can create a Medium account and start publishing content there. So lots of people go to Medium to find find content. So it will let you push straight to that. If you know none of those work, again, you can just copy and paste out of Hemingway, or you can export it as a Word doc and copy and paste out of Word into wherever your kind of final destination is going to be. So that's my process. The last tip I would give you is you can also try this tip if you're like, I don't know that I can sit down and plug pump out an article in one sitting. Don't worry about it. Literally set an alarm or a timer and say, I'm going to write for 10 minutes every day or five minutes every day. So I would outline that article. I'm going to write an article. My goal is to write one article this week based on last week's sermon. I'm going to write it to the non-church going audience. I'm going to go after this one problem, I'm going to share this one piece of good news, and spend five minutes every day writing one or two paragraphs of that article. So by the end of the week, you've got it done. It can be that simple. But like anything else, practice makes it better. Don't worry about it. If you're just getting started, literally like pray and just do it. (laughs) Pray and just do it. It will get better over time, and it will still bear fruit. So my my goal for you is just do it. Do it, do it, do it. If this process doesn't work for you, find one that works for you. Like write it in Word, plop it over in Grammarly just to make sure you're not you know, missing some crazily misspelled words or something like that that causes a reader to go, oh, this is hard to understand, and then get it published. Okay, that's my main goal for you. I hope this was helpful. 
I hope this gives you some really good tools and resources that you go, oh man, if there's some things out there that actually help me write, that would be fantastic. Hemingway app, I love it. There's lots of places you can, apps you can use for writing. I love the Hemingway app because of, of how it just points out some of those very common writing problems like too many adverbs or passive voice. I love Grammarly because the free version, it will check and catch almost all of my punctuation or spelling problems that nothing else will catch. And Hemingway is doing much of what the paid version of Grammarly will do. The paid version will highlight things like passive voice or whatever, but I've already got that covered in Hemingway. So at this point, technically, you could be doing all of this for free. And then um, don't forget those really simple writing tips. You're looking for short sentences and paragraphs. You're looking for a conversational tone. You're talking to that non-church-going neighbor that you really wish was there to hear the good news of the gospel on Sunday. That's who this article is to. It's about one issue or problem he or she may have, and you're sharing good news. Okay? You can do this. If you have any questions, don't be afraid to hit me up. You can send me an email, robbie at churchplanterstarterkit.com. That's Robbie with a Y, R-O-B-B-Y, at churchplanterstarterkit.com. Let me know if you have any questions. Let me know if this helped you or encouraged you. Anything I can do to help and to serve you, I would love to do that. Thanks so much. I know this was a little bit of a, a longer episode, but I just wanted to make this process super easy. I want you to know that there are even apps out there that can break that fear barrier that you're maybe preventing you from thinking you can do this. You can do this. You do not have to be the best expert ever. Just get started, okay? Just get started. Try to write one this week. I am encouraged by the fact that you're listening. I think there is huge potential to use your website and your brand to be a great digital missionary. That's where the people you want to reach, this is where they are. They are online consuming all sorts of content. That is the, the resource and place they go time and time again all day long. And so there's great potential there for you to be a missionary, to use that kind of digital third space like a great missionary and bring good news to bear there so you can reach the people you are called to reach. In the next episode, we're not done yet. We're going to look at how this blogging actually impacts this crazy thing called SEO, search engine optimization. I know that's another big black hole mystery or whatever. I'm going to make that simple, easy to understand. You're going to see why blogging not only is great, kind of with it's not only a great missionary tool, but it actually has some other benefits as well. Thanks so much for joining me and listening to this podcast. I've got some great resources for you today. If you will go to churchplanterstarterkit.com forward slash 11, as in episode 11, churchplanterstarterkit.com forward slash 11, I've got all of the apps I talked about today in a simple handout for you, a PDF guide that's free for you. I'll throw the writing tips that we talked about in there as well, so you have all of those resources in one place. Also, what I'm going to do is put together a really short 
video screenshot of me using those apps. So you can see real quick what Hemingway app looks like, what the Workflowy app looks like, what that process looks like when I go from outline and Workflowy, article in Hemingway, paste that over into Grammarly real quick, bring it back into Hemingway and export that. So I'll do that in a real quick video so you can see exactly what each one of those steps looks like. So grab the free resource guide. The free resource guide will have a link to that video. So make sure you go to churchplannerstarterkit.com forward slash 11 to grab that resource. We'll see you again next time. Remember, a great way to help other pastors and planters be great digital missionaries is to write a review on iTunes for this podcast so that other folks can know about this resource. We'll see you next time. Thanks again.